Glad you made it out tonight. It's been a very busy week for me, but praise God, I made it here. <laughs> uh, we're continuing our study through the book of Judges. We're actually finishing up the book of Judges tonight, chapters 20 and 21 this evening. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand and Richard will get one right to your seat so you can follow along with us. And uh, before we get to the study, there's a couple of prayer requests we need, we need to just uh, bring up tonight. And uh, got a phone call here at the church from a, a guy named Shane Willis. Now I don't remember him. He came. He said he's from a church years ago. He used to go to our church, so I don't know maybe some of you guys remember him. But uh, his sister Kathy Hernandez is 62 years old. She's got stage four cancer. She's in Mercy Hospital, and uh, she's doing chemo. She started doing good, but then developed a blood clot. And so um, the, he asked for prayer for his sister. No visitors, no phone calls at the hospital, he said, but uh, just pray that, um, that God would heal her, that, um, you know, he, he said 90%, he believes 90% that she's a believer, but it would be nice to know for sure, for sure that, that uh, she's a believer and uh his, her mom's a nurse, and so they want him to come home, want to have her go home to be with mom, but we just want the Lord's will to be done in that situation. So we're going to pray for Kathy Hernandez this evening. And then our own Elaine Williams is in a lot of pain. She's got uh, had a bladder biopsy yesterday, yesterday, and uh, um, and they just said that the wall of the bladder is just all inflamed and just in a whole lot of pain. And so... I mean, it just sounds painful. And so we want to pray that um, uh, God would heal her and, and that um, uh, take the pain away. And then uh, Richard Edwards' dad went home to be with the Lord uh, on a Saturday. And so we want to pray for his family and uh, uh, for comfort and peace for that. And, uh, and finally, the fourth one. <laughs> Warren Ransom, Warren and, and Lori Ransom, Warren just had hip surgery today, and so we want to pray for Warren as well. So let's go before the Lord, and we'll lift these things up, and then we'll get into the study this evening. Lord, we thank you just how great you are. As we sang tonight, you are good, and everything that you do is good. And Lord, everything that we go, that we go through in our lives is for our own good. We know, Lord, that you are in control, and you are uh, a great God allowing things to happen in our lives that we may not understand at the time, but, Lord, you have perfect understanding. And so we thank you for that. We thank you of your love and grace. And, and we want to lift up our sister, Kathy Hernandez, to you, Lord, uh, with this cancer and blood clot. We do pray for a healing, uh, Lord God. We pray that you give the doctors wisdom in treating her. Uh, Shane, her, her brother, is asked uh, just that you would show to him, give him confirmation, Lord, that she really does know you. Lord, if it's your desire to take her home or, or to heal her, Lord, it, either way, he just his prayer was that he would know, that, that he knows that she has a relationship with you. And, and Lord, we just pray for wisdom for that and pray for, uh, if it's your will, for uh, Kathy to go with her mom and, and be released. We pray that to happen. And we just put that whole situation into your hands and ask that you would move in a, in a mighty way, Lord. And Lord, we want to lift up our sister Elaine uh, to you, and just we we just um, we grieve with the pain that she's going through, Lord, and, and we just ask that that you would relieve that pain, Lord. We ask that you would heal her of it, that you would uh, just take it away, 
Lord, as, as you took away the headache of Peter's mother-in-law, Lord, that you take away this pain that Elaine's going through and, and pray that you touch her body and heal her and, and just bring her comfort and peace. Father, we pray for, uh, again, the work of your, your Holy Spirit to bring comfort and peace to Richard, uh, his family. Uh, Lord, we, we rejoice in the fact that his father's with you, Lord, and we praise you for that. But, uh, Lord, there is that, that hurt uh, and mourning process that we go through, Lord, and, and we miss them. And, and so, Lord, I just pray that we'd sent, they would sense your presence in a great capacity, Lord, your peace, your comfort during this time. And, Lord, during this time as well, if there's any... Uh, uh, non-believers in the family that that uh, would hear the gospel, Lord, and and come to know you through this uh, through this time, Lord. And Lord, we want to lift up uh, Warren to you, Lord, and pray that the surgery went well today, and that you'd give him just a quick recovery from hip surgery and uh, strengthen him, Lord. Give him just a uh, just a, a quick recovery, Lord, and, and comfort him. We pray, and we do pray for Jan and Richard's uh, 25th wedding anniversary party on Saturday. Ask your blessing upon that. We ask your blessing upon our, our uh, men's prayer breakfast on Saturday morning as well. Lord, a lot of things as a church we could be praying for, and we thank you for that opportunity to do that. And, and now, Lord, we thank you for this time that we can dig in your word and learn from you, Lord, through your spirit, the things that you want to touch our hearts with, lessons that we have from your word, how to live in this life that we're living as we wait for your return. So bless our time together, we pray. We commit it to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we finish up the book of Judges. I say a big amen to that. It's not one of the, the happiest books to teach as you're going through it. Oh, this is great. I can't wait till I get to this part. You know, Samson, you know, some of the stories are great. In fact, we had an opportunity to go see Samson yesterday at, at the Sight and Sound Theater. And it was awesome. I mean, they did. They, they showed an aspect of Samson's life that I'd never seen before. How God just pouring out his grace upon him and allowing the, 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 him to have that one last victory over the, the, the uh, Philistines and, and uh, 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 Philistia. They had the song, Philistia. I mean, it was a great show. But, uh, but, but you know, it, it's just, I don't get into it now. <laughs> I'm going to make you want to go see it. But uh, um, uh, it, it just showed, you know, that God gave him chan- another chance. And God is the God of second chances and third chances. And, and uh, it was just a, a neat aspect of that. And, and obviously they tied it all into what Jesus Christ has done for us. And they tied Samson in to be a hero of the faith. Uh, but all these heroes of faith have had some sort of failings. But our, our main hero of faith, Jesus Christ, has never failed. He accomplished what he came to do. And it was just an awesome time together. And uh, I thank God for that sight and sound theater. It's, it's really, really cool. And, and that was a good story. But, but now we get back to the book of Judges. And uh, if there's one message to be found throughout the book of Judges, and that sin doesn't pay, that there's always consequences no matter what. And the key verse that we've seen over and over again throughout our study, we're going to find it in verse 25 of chapter 21. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. You see, each, each day, each situation is just getting darker and darker and darker as the glory of God is shunned. Now, if you missed last week, or even if you've never read this section of Scripture before, it's really quite shocking. Upon first read, you go, is that in the Bible? I mean, it does sound like something more you'd see on NCIS, you know, uh, or something like that. Because if you recall from last time together, there were these perverted men from the city of Gibeah in the land belonging to the tribe of Benjamin. 
and they had attempted a homosexual rape of this Levite who was heading home with his concubine after she'd gone to play the harlot on him. Well, to save his own skin, this Levite shoves his concubine, this woman, out the door to this lustful mob. So they, they rape, they, they, they ravage her. She crawls back to the house to where her Levite husband was sleeping. But, but no one hears her cries. No one comes out. No one lets her in or, or tries to even tend to her, her wounds. And ultimately, she dies. But then to make matters worse, this Levite gets up in the morning, finds her lying there on the front door, basically says, Come on, woman, let's get going. Discovers she's, she's dead. He then dis, in, dismembers her body and sends a piece to each one of the tribes in Israel. Horrific story. Now, it had the response that he hoped it would have. It, it had the, the shock effect that he was hoping to gain from the tribes. They were horrified to get you know, part of a torso or a leg or an arm or a head, and they gathered together. And this Levite tells them the evil that was done by the Benjamites, by, by those, uh, the, actually those, those uh, the perverts from, from the land from, from there uh, uh, in the city of Gibeah. And this is where we pick it up this evening. Look at verse 1 of chapter 20. So all the children of Israel came out from Dan to Beersheba, as well as from the land of Gilead, and the congregation gathered together as one man before the Lord at Mizpah. And the leaders of all the people, all the tribes of Israel, presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God, 400,000 foot soldiers who drew the sword. Now the children of Benjamin heard that the children of Israel had gone up to Mizpah. Then the children of Israel said, Tell us, how did this wicked deed happen? So the Levite, the husband of the woman who was murdered, answered and said, My concubine and I went into Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin, to spend the night. And the men of Gibeah rose against me and surrounded the house at night because of me. They intended to kill me, but instead they ravished my concubine so that she died. So I took hold of my concubine, cut her in pieces, and sent her throughout all the territory of the inheritance of Israel because they committed lewdness and outrage in Israel. Look, all of you are children of Israel, Give your advice and counsel her. And now, right, he's pumping it all up. He's going, this is what happened. I mean, do you see what's going on here? And he's kind of just invoking this, this, this. Yeah, let's go get him. Now, what this Levite leaves out of the story is something different. First of all, he didn't mention any reference to the fact that he and his concubine were having marital problems, which precipitated his being in the wrong place at the wrong time in the first place. Secondly, he made it sound as though Gibeah had been uh, his intended destination, never mentioning that his father-in-law encouraged him to stay in Jerusalem. Don't go. Go in the morning where we have a better, better chance of going. Thirdly, he inflated his personal danger by claiming that the men intended to kill him in, in verse 5. They didn't want to kill him. They, they, they did want to rape him, though, but I'll give that one to him. Number four, he didn't mention the fact that he was a coward by throwing out his concubine to these men. Here, here take her. I mean, of course they're going to be outraged after hearing only one side of the story. The Bible says in Proverbs 10, 18, whoever hides hatred has lying lips and whoever spreads slander is a fool. See, this Levite is really the one responsible for getting himself in the situation in the first place. Now, don't get me wrong. Both were wrong and evil, but again, they were all doing what was right in their own eyes, not seeking the Lord, not following after the Lord. So the tribes, minus Benjamin, are outraged and they demand justice, but as we'll see, the Benjamites will decide to defend the, the perverts, the ones who raped and killed the, the, the concubine woman, instead of fighting with them. So here are the tribes of Israel. We read in verse 8. 
So all the people arose as one man, saying, None of us will go to his tent, nor will any turn back to his house. But now this is the thing which we will do to Gibeah. We will go up against it by lot. We will take ten men out of every hundred throughout all the tribes of Israel, a hundred out of every thousand, and a thousand out of every ten thousand, to make provisions for the people, that when they come to Gibeah and Benjamin, they may repay all the vileness that they have done in Israel. So all the men of Israel were gathered against the city, united together as one man. The message was loud and clear, and 400,000 Israelites gathered together at Mizpah. But instead of seeking the Lord and what the Lord would have them to do, they immediately jump into action to come against Gibeah and the Benjamites. You know, I think we are, we are sometimes too quick to believe the lame excuses of others and seek revenge rather than seeking the Lord. Proverbs 18.13 says, He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and a shame to him. They didn't hear the whole story. They didn't see the whole picture. So seeking revenge, they send men all uh, they send men all, to all the tribes of Benjamin. Verse, verse 12. Then the tribes of Israel sent men throughout all the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What is this wickedness that has occurred among you? Now therefore deliver up the men, the perverted men who are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and remove the evil from Israel. But the children of Benjamin would not listen to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel. Instead, the children of Benjamin gathered together from their cities to Gibeah to go to battle against the children of Israel. And from their cities, at that time, the, the children of Benjamin numbered 26,000 men who drew the sword, besides the inhabitants of Gibeah, who numbered 700 select men. Among all these people were 700 select men who were left-handed. Everyone could sling a stone at a hair's breadth and not miss. So, for their part, the, the Benjamites also refused to get the straight story, and now they're willing to die defending the perverted men. So the battle lines are drawn. 400,000 Israelites versus 26,700 Benjamites. Now, now the fact that 700 Benjamites were left-handed reminds us really of, of, of uh, probably one of the bravest left-handed Benjamites that there were, Ehud, who killed Eglon, the king of Moab, way back in, in Judges chapter 3. And then we read about how, the, uh, how they could sling stones within a hair's breadth of their target and not miss. That reminds us of David and how he so good he was with, with the stone and, and killing Goliath. But the battle lines are drawn. So we come to verse 17. Now besides Benjamin, the men of Israel numbered 400,000 men who drew the sword. All of these were men of war. Then the children of Israel arose and went up to the house of God to inquire of God. They said, which of us shall go up first to battle against the children of Benjamin? The Lord said, Judah first. I mean, sounds good, right? They're approaching God. They're asking a question. But notice that they approach God with the wrong question. They asked, which tribe shall go first? When they should have been asking, what do you want us to do? Lord, how do you want us to handle this situation? Seeking the Lord, what the Lord would have them to do. But you see, they're already made up in their minds what they were going to do, no matter what anyone said including God. I think we can approach God the same way. Lord, which car do you want me to buy? The red one or the white one? <laughs> I don't want you to buy any car, okay? Lord, which house would you want me to move into? This one or that? Which city do you want us to move into? I don't want you to move. We've got to get our questions right when we, we ask the Lord and we seek the Lord. Israel uh, was doing the same thing. Which tribe should we send in first? Now, God does tell them, Judah first, but that's only because the woman, the concubine that had been assaulted or killed, was from Judah. 
It was wisdom from the Lord, but it was still no indication that God was blessing the plan, as we will see. Look at verse 19. So the children of Israel rose in the morning and encamped against Gibeah. And the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin. And the men of Israel put themselves in battle array to fight against them at Gibeah. Then the children of Benjamin came out of Gibeah, and on that day cut down to the ground 22,000 men of the Israelites. And the people, that is the men of Israel, encouraged themselves and again formed the battle line at the place where they had put themselves in array on the first day. Then the children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until evening and asked counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall I again draw near for battle against the children of my brother Benjamin? And the Lord said, Go up against him. So the children of Israel approached the children of Benjamin on the second day. So the first day, first battle didn't go so well. So the second one, they asked the Lord, shall, shall I go draw again for the battle against the children of my brother Benjamin? The Lord said, yeah, go up against him. Again, notice they didn't ask for victory. They just asked that they should go up against him again. Again, God was teaching them a lesson that, 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 that sometimes it's God's will to go through difficult times. Sometimes it's God's word, uh, God's will to teach you a lesson, you know, uh, to, to go through trials and temptations, to experience defeat in order to humble us. And that's what happens next. Look at verse 25. And Benjamin went out against them from Gibeah on the second day and cut down to the ground 18,000 uh, more of the children of Israel. All these drew the sword. Why were they defeated again and again? I mean, didn't the Benjamites, didn't they need to be corrected? Should they not have been, you know, come against that? Uh, yeah, they all needed to be corrected. But really truth and, 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 and seeking, truly seeking the Lord was nowhere to be found. Now the main problem with the other tribes of Israel is that they were way too e- eager to do the correcting, as, you, as you've seen already. They were way too eager to be God's instrument of wrath. I mean, they're seeking vengeance. They're not seeking truth. Even though the Lord told them in Leviticus 19.18, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you should love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. God told them not to take vengeance. We know in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 30, it reads, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will, will judge his people. Vengeance always belongs to the Lord. When we choose to take matters into our own hands, all it does is reap confusion and destruction. The Lord is teaching them a lesson as well to have the right heart. See, all these stories, even as graphic as they are, uh, are examples to us of how to be led by the Lord and seek the Lord. It teaches us that our hearts need to be that of reconciliation, never revenge. I like what Paul says in Galatians 6, verse 1 and 2 in the New Living Translation. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin... You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and this way obey the law of Christ. Gently and humbly help that person back on the right path to where they are. Don't take revenge out on them. Oh, I'm going to get them because it's going to backfire. You'll get bloody as in the case here with Israel. Look at verse 26. With their tails between their legs, they come home beat up, verse 26. And all the children of Israel, that is all the people, went up and came to the house of God and wept. They sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. So the children of Israel inquired of the Lord. The ark of the covenant of God was there in those days. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before it in those days, saying, Shall I yet again go out to battle against the children of my brother Benjamin, or shall I cease? 
And the Lord said, go up for tomorrow. I'll deliver them into your hand. I like that now, the third time, they're finally seeking the Lord the right way. And as a result, the Lord is very specific about what will happen this time. Lord, what would you have us do? Stop fighting or keep fighting? And the Lord answers them as he did before. Go for it. But this time he adds, for tomorrow I will deliver them into your hand. This time there's a promise of victory. See, this reminds us, keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking the Lord until you get the victory. Well, verse 29, we read of that victory. Then Israel, met, Israel sent men in ambush all around Gibeah, and the children of Israel went up against the children of Benjamin on the third day and put themselves in battle array against Gibeah as, at other times. So the children of Benjamin went out against the people and were drawn away from the city. They began to strike down and kill some of the people as the other times in the highways, one of which goes up to Bethel and the other to Gibeah. And in the field, about 30 men of Israel. And the children of Benjamin said, They are defeated before us as at first. But the children of Israel said, Let us flee and draw them away from the city to the highways. So all the men of Israel rose from their place and put themselves in battle array at Baal Tamar. Then Israel's men in ambush burst forth from their position in the plain of Geba. And 10,000 select men from all Israel came against Gibeah, and a battle was fierce. But the Benjamites did not know that disaster was upon them. The Lord defeated Benjamin before Israel, and the children of Israel destroyed that day 25,100 Benjamites. All these drew the sword. See, while, while uh, the rest of the tribes were learning a lesson in humility and seeking the Lord, the, the Benjamites, they were swelling with pride. Verse 34 says, the Benjamites did not know that disaster was upon them. I mean, they had victory after victory. They're, Man, this is going to be easy. We're going in. We are the Benjamites. I mean, we're going to take care of them. They want to come after us, you know. And, and, and really, uh, uh, they had no idea that they were going to be defeated. But you see, we see for Israel, the real key to victory is found in, in, in humility and seeking the Lord. For Israel, it should have been an easy battle, but on day one, 22,000 of them died. On day two, 18,000 of them died. But on the third day, the children of Israel destroyed that day, 25,100 Benjamites. Now, why is that? I think it has everything to do with prayer. The first day, prayer, Israel prayed. Uh, in, the, in the beginning, which of us do you want to go first? The second day, are you sure you want us to go at all? But after that, something happened that was different from the two previous occasions of prayer. Again, look back at verse 26. The children of Israel, that is, all the people, went to the house of God and wept. They sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening, and they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. Man, they, they, they sought the Lord in humility and found great victory. They recognized they couldn't defeat the enemy on their own. They needed the Lord to direct and lead them. In other words, they repented. They recognized that they have sinned. And then they fasted and cried and sacrificed. And after they recognized the sin in their own country, they had victory. Yes, it was God's intention that the enemy would be dealt with. But first, they needed to realize the, 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 the sin in their own tribes. They had to acknowledge their need for the Lord in the first place. Or the Lord wouldn't work. Now look at verse 36. So the children of Benjamin saw that they were defeated. The men of Israel had given ground to the Benjamites because they relied on the men in ambush whom they had set against Gibeah. And the men in ambush quickly rushed upon Gibeah. The men in ambush spread out and struck the whole city with the edge of the sword. Now the appointed signal between the men of Israel and the men in ambush 
was that they would make a great cloud of smoke rise up from the city, whereupon the men of Israel would turn in battle. Now Benjamin had begun to strike and kill about 30 of the men of Israel, for they said, Surely they are defeated before us, as in the first battle. But when the cloud began to rise from the city in a column of smoke, the Benjamites looked behind them, and there was the whole city going up in smoke to heaven. And when the men of Israel turned back, the men of Benjamin panicked, for they saw the disaster had come upon them. Therefore they turned their backs before the men of Israel in the direction of the wilderness, but the battle overtook them. And whoever came out of the cities, they destroyed in their midst. They surrounded the Benjamites, chased them, and easily trampled them down as far as the front of Gibeah towards the east. And 18,000 men of Benjamin fell. All these were men of valor. Then they turned and fled towards the wilderness to the rock of Ramon, and they cut down 5,000 of them on the highways. Then they pursued them relentlessly up to Gidom and killed 2,000 of them. So all who fell at Benjamin that day were 25,000 men who drew the sword. All these were men of valor. But 600 men turned and fled towards the wilderness to the rock of Ramon, and they stayed at the rock of Ramon for four months. And the men of Israel turned back against the children of Benjamin and struck them down with the edge of the sword from every city, men and beasts, all who were found. They also set fire to all the cities they came to. Victory seems to be complete. Israel had won the war, but they're about to lose the battle unless something was done. Look now at verse 1 of chapter 21. Now the men of Israel had sworn an oath at Mizpah, saying, None of us shall give his daughter to Benjamin as a wife. Then the people came to the house of God and remained there before God till evening. They lifted up their voices and wept bitterly and said, O Lord, God of Israel, why has this scene come to pass in Israel, that today there should be one tribe missing in Israel? Now considering their anger against Benjamin, making an oath never to give their daughters to be wives from any, to any man in the tribe of Benjamin probably seemed like the right thing to do. But they made the oath without thinking about the consequences. I think we, we looked at how foolish it was a couple of chapters ago uh, with a man named Jephthah. Remember, he made that, that stupid vow that the first thing that comes out of my house, I'll sacrifice it as an offering to the Lord. And out walks his daughter. Hey, Dad, how you doing? You know, the Bible says quite a bit about Keeping our mouths shut. Psalm 141, verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. It's been said, uh, not a biblical proverb, but a good one. <coughs> you guys all know it. Better to keep silent and thought a fool rather than to speak and remove all doubt. You see, Israel wiped out almost all the Benjamites except for only 600. And now... Israel realizes because of the foolish vow that they made uh, not to let our daughters marry anyone from the tribe of Benjamin, they now realize that they, they're no longer going to have a tribe of Benjamin. So what should they do? They made this vow. So they seek the Lord in verse 3. O Lord God of Israel, why has this thing come to pass in Israel that today there should be one tribe missing in Israel? Now if this wasn't so tragic, it would be humorous. I mean, after all, Benjamin had outrageously rebelled against God by standing up for those sexual perverts, causing the rest of Israel to act in revenge. And now, as a result of their actions, one of the tribes are about to become extinct. And what do they say? Help us, God? No, they don't say that. They say, God, how could you let this happen? Why has this come to pass? Really? You guys brought it on yourself. And I, and I know that there are times that we do the same things. We, we, we violate God's word in some way. 
we ignore God's commandments in, in, in a situation, we don't listen to the leading of God, and, and we either rebel or we act in revenge, and then we have the guts to say, Lord, how could you let this happen to me? My life is a mess. Okay, well, if you would have sought me first in the first place, then this wouldn't have happened in your life. But then instead of, uh, to make matters worse, instead of seeking the Lord, you try to fix it on your own. That's what happens next up in verse 4. So it was on the next morning that the people rose early and built an altar there and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. The children of Israel said, Who is there among all the tribes of Israel who did not come up with the assembly to the Lord? For they had made a great oath concerning anyone who had not come up to the Lord at Mizpah, saying, He shall surely be put to death. And the children of Israel grieved for Benjamin their brother and said, One tribe is cut off from Israel today. What shall we do for wives for those who remain? Seeing we have sworn by the Lord that we will not give them our daughters as wives. And they said, What one is there from the tribes of Israel who did not come up from Mizpah to the Lord? And, in fact, no one had come up to the camp from Jabesh-Gilead to the assembly. For when the people were counted, indeed, not one of the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead was there. So, instead of, again, seeking the Lord, waiting on the Lord for an answer, they come up with their, their own plan. They, they went back and looked at the minutes of their meeting in Mizpah. They remember there, okay, we made an oath there, you know, to kill anyone who has not joined with us in the battle against the Benjamites. And in fact, the men of Gabish Gilead had not joined them in battle. So they, they form a new plan. Let's go now and kill the men from Jabesh Gilead that didn't show up, and then they'll, they'll free up some wives from these, the last remaining Benjamites. So we'll still have a tribe of Benjamin. They're, they're problem solved. And you can almost hear the Lord going, Hello, remember me? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you asked me for counsel, now you're just going to do your own dumb thing once again. But again, it's the theme of the book of Judges. Everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes. So they thought, it's okay to ask the Lord, but we're still going to do what we want to do. And they did. And again, how many people do that same thing? Lord, should I get involved in this relationship? The Lord says, no, you shouldn't. But then you do it anyway. And you face disastrous results. I think oftentimes we jump ahead of the Lord thinking that we have, we have a better plan. Oh, this is a better plan. Or I know God's going to approve this plan. It's got to be from Him. And we do it. And we, we don't seek the Lord. Well, verse 10. So the congregation sent out their 12,000 of the most valiant men and commanded them saying, Go and strike the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead with the edge of the sword, including the women and children. And this is the thing that you shall do. You shall utterly destroy every male and every woman who has known a man intimately. So they found among the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead 400 young virgins who had not known a man intimately, and they brought them to the camp of Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan. So murder, kidnapping, I mean, yeah, they're, they're learning an awful lot from the Lord, right? They're still just doing what they think is right. Verse 13. Then the whole congregation sent word to the children of Benjamin, who were at the rock of Rimon, and announced peace to them. So Benjamin came back at that time and they gave them the woman whom they had slay, saved alive of the woman of Jabesh Gilead and yet they had not found enough for them. I mean, never mind how these young women felt about seeing their family slaughtered before their very eyes. Never mind forcing these young virgins uh, into marriage. No, what do we see here? They're sad because they don't have enough girls to go around. They've not found enough for them. So what do they do? Verse 15. And the people grieved for Benjamin because the Lord had made a void in the tribe of Israel. They blamed it on the Lord. They blamed it. He made the void. I mean, isn't it amazing how we blame things on the Lord when we make the mess ourselves? We bring it upon ourselves. So, 
Instead of seeking the Lord, they make a plan to get more girls. Look at verse 16. Then the elders of the congregation said, What shall we do for wives for those who remain, since the women of Benjamin have been destroyed? And they said, There must be an inheritance for the survivors of Benjamin, that a tribe may not be destroyed from Israel. However, we cannot give them wives from our daughters, for the children of Israel have sworn an oath, saying, Cursed be the one who gives a wife to Benjamin. Then they said, In fact, there is a yearly feast of the Lord in Shiloh, which is north of Bethel, on the east side of the highway that goes up from Bethel to Shechem, and south of Labona. Therefore, they instructed the children of Benjamin, saying, Go, lie in wait in the vineyards, and watch. And just when the daughters of Shiloh come out to perform their dancers, then come out from the vineyards, and every man catch a wife for himself from the daughters of Shiloh, then go to the land of Benjamin. <laughs> Let's go fishing. <laughs> then it shall be when their fathers or their brothers come to us to complain that we will say to them, Be kind to them for our sakes, because we did not take a wife for any of them in war, for it's not as though you have given the woman to them at this time, making yourselves guilty of your oath. See, there was no danger in the tribe of Benjamin becoming extinct with, with, with 400 families. They just felt bad about the 200 guys that they didn't have wives. But, but notice how clever they, their strategy was in keeping their oath. Since the girls were being kidnapped, they, they technically, the, then technically the fathers from Shiloh were not really giving them to the Benjamites as wives. Therefore, they're not guilty of breaking the oath and to not give their daughters as wives. Just just twisting everything around. So verse 23, And the children of Benjamin did so. They took enough wives for their number from those who danced, whom they caught. Then they went and returned to their inheritance, and they rebuilt the cities and dwelt in them. So the children of Israel departed from there at that time, every man to his tribe and family. They went out from there, every man to his inheritance. Again, it's like they went fishing, came back with a catch. These women were nothing more than a possession. But in their eyes, everything was back to normal. Everyone was happy, at least on the surface. They wanted to get back to doing their own thing and not be bothered by doing what God wanted them to do. It didn't matter that they murdered, they kidnapped, they forced women into marriages as long as they were happy. Happiness was their goal, not, not holiness. It was wrong, it was stupid, but that's just the way things were going because they had lost their consciousness of God as king. And finally, verse 25 sums up the whole chapter of Judges. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his, in his own eyes. And so ends the book of Judges. God's people greatly need of a righteous king, a true judge, the only hero who will not only deliver them from their oppressions, but will save them from the cycle of sin, Jesus Christ. That's who they need. You know, we look at this culture, we look at the things that, that went on during this time, and it's not so different than ours. We have sunk to many gross sexual perversions. Legalized abortion is, is, is probably the greatest mass murder of all time. Every day in the news we hear of, of kidnappings and, and rapes, serial murders, torture, dismemberment, cannibal, cannibalizing their victims. We, we, we make movies about them. Why? Because everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes today. They don't allow Jesus to be the king of their lives. We're not much different than the time of Judges. I like how J. Vernon McGee puts it best. He quotes an article written in 1928. It's an edition of the Wall Street Journal during the Great Depression. It applies to America today, except you'll see. Remember, this is written in 1928. It reads this. What America needs today is not government controls, industrial expansion, or a bumper corn crop. 
American needs to return to the day when Grandpa took the team out of the field in the early afternoon on Wednesday in order to hitch them to the old spring wagon into which Grandma put all the children after she washed their faces shining clean and drove off to prayer meeting in the little white church at the crossroads underneath the oak trees where everyone believed the Bible, trusted Christ, and loved one another, end quote. I think we can say the same thing. You know, we need to get back, you know, to, to, to seeking the Lord, loving the Lord, back to, to praying. As, as, you know, Pastor Dennis spoke about it on Sunday. My prayer is still, it always been that America would have one last great revival before the Lord returns, that we would see one more, you know, Jesus movement, one more revival. And that really begins in, in, in praying and seeking the Lord and, and searching His ways and, and doing what He wants us to do, seeking Him first, humbling ourselves, and God can move mightily. All right, next week we will start the book of Ruth. We'll go right into Ruth. So, and so Joshua judges Ruth, and, and uh, after that we're going to jump ahead after that. So with that, let's pray.